It's time for Back in Time Brothers podcast. I am DJ Paul, and as always, I have my brother Lou with me. Lou, how are we doing today? Good. How are you, bro? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm excited about today's episode. I just want to talk about <laughs> you. I want to talk yeah. about your transformation from high school kid to DJ and where you are today. And I think hopefully everybody that knows you and, and, and admires the work that you do will kind of like to uh, find out how you came about and what influenced you and uh, really those early stories. Okay. Well, I'm ready to go. So let's do it. All right. So <laughs> what year, where are we going? Okay. So we're going to go to my senior year of high school. Uh, it's actually my senior prom. And, uh, in, in, you know, in New Jersey, how the proms are, it's it, couples get together, they get their, their tuxes, their dresses, they rent a limo, uh, they go to the, to the party. And then usually they go cruise around New York city in their limos is kind of usually what it's done. Well, we did the same thing. And, uh, so we're in New York city, we're driving around with, uh, two other couples and, um, we go to this nightclub. And I can't even believe, I can't believe we got in. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the name? The name of the nightclub was called the underground. And Oh, that's a classic place. It, it is a classic place. And uh, so I guess they let us in because we were in tuxedos and dresses. We looked really nice. Um, we go in and, and we're just one amazed by, you know, what we're seeing, you know, all these people dancing and the lights and the sound system. And, you know, so we're dancing, we're having a good time. And, and I remember, and this is this is what specifically kind of took me to that level. Um, at the time, uh, Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock, It Takes Two, was uh, was a big hit. Um, and I, mean, I know everyone knows that song. It takes two to make a thing go right. You know, it was classic, classic yeah. song. Um, and I, I heard this song come on, and that that intro was that you know, that really cool intro. And mm-hmm. um, and I and I looked over, and there was this DJ booth, and um. I see this DJ in there and he's got three turntables of this song going. Hold and on, it, hold on, hold on one second. Three turntables? Three turntables. So, I, you know, I, and I've seen three t- turntables before, but I think most people have always seen two turntables. So what's the key to three, three turntables? Well, you know, in most nightclubs um, back then, there was always three turntables um, in the booth. Um and a lot of the DJs would do like, you know, they would do like an instrumental and then drop an acapella over it. So they would make their own songs and then maybe bring in some kind of like, you know, background sound effect. So they had three turn. A lot of DJs used three turntables. I, I used three turntables at one point. I mean, it, it was when I got to that level that I could do that. Yeah. Um, so I look over and there's this guy and I, and I hear, you know, um, he's got, you know, woo. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Going and then that's going and then the beats going. And, and then he's like, I want to rock right now. Chicka, 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 I want to ride. And he's scratching it up. And I'm just like, and I'm like, everyone's dancing except me. I'm watching him. And I'm just like, I have never heard anything like this in my life. And I'm, I'm sitting here just staring at him. And I, I was, I was amazed. And I was like, you know, I asked him and I go, who is this DJ? And his name was DJ animal. <laughs> which fits, fitted appropriate for what he was doing. He was an animal on the tables. Mm. It was amazing. Um, and I just sat there and I watched him. I think the whole rest of the night, my day was like, come on, come dance. And I was like, no, I'm sitting right here. I'm watching this guy. And I watched what he did. And I didn't know what he was doing because this was all new to me, but I liked what he was doing. And, and it, for me, it just kind of like it clicked. Um, 
so the night ended, we went home and so on for the next day. Quick question. Yeah. Does, is your date there like annoyed that you like ignored her and you just watched the DJ or no? You, yeah. You <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. She's, <laughs> I, I, I don't think we talked after that, but anyway, um, that's okay. I was a senior. She was a junior. So goodbye. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so I, it literally, I, the next day I woke up and I said, I want to be a DJ. I want to do what that guy was doing. And um, it was probably about a week later, I bought two turntables, a mixer, an amplifier, and two speakers. And I went to Cimarama Sound in Totowa, New Jersey, on yes. Union Boulevard. Right. Uh, Dave, who's no longer with us, rest in peace, my friend. Um, he, uh, I walked in, I, I didn't know what I was buying. I didn't know anything. You know, I was, this is all new to me. Um, so I bought these two turntables and they weren't even the ones that the, the DJs use. They were techniques, but they were SLBD 22s. That was the model number. And it was a, uh, oh, sorry, B- go ahead. B- you were going to say yeah, something? Yeah, they're BDs and that's belt drive. So you're using the that is belt correct. drive turntables. <laughs> yeah. And, and the pitch control wasn't even like the slide pitch control. It was a dial. Okay. So you had to dial the pitch. It, it was, it was the two hardest turntables I've ever had to work on in my life. I, I don't know what I was doing. And so of course, you know, like you'd start the record and you'd want to get that, you know, that nice sound. It would go, you know, speed up and everything. It was pretty hilarious. I bought a new Mark mixer, which was kind of like the staple to get. Um, I got a techniques amplifier. It was just like little homes, home amp. And I bought two Ramza speakers. And Ramza was a. I remember was, the Ramza speakers. Yeah, the little white ones. They were really, really powerful speakers. Actually, they were really good. And so that was my setup. And I remember setting this up in my bedroom on my dresser, and probably annoying everyone in the house for hours, practicing and practicing and practicing, and trying to mix records that should not be mixed at all. You know, just it sounded like World War Three was going on, and those the way the beats were flying. I had no idea what I was doing. It was. It was. I mean, I really didn't. I didn't know. Well, you listen, you had you had so much of a budget, so you can't buy obviously the best things. And unfortunately, right. the turntables, which are kind of important, you had to kind of skimp on those a little bit. So I imagine that, yeah, those were challenging. But in some ways, because you had a kind of a challenging uh, way to spin that when you upgraded, it probably made it easier. And you've already kind of been through some of those those tough mixes and stuff. And you, you were able to... Uh, to do it easier. Yeah, I don't. I don't even. I don't even know if what you want to call what I did with those turntables mixing. I, it was more like kind of crash and burning. Honestly, um, I was terrible. No, I was terrible. I was the yeah. probably one of the worst DJs you've ever heard in the beginning. I was garbage. I mean, I I knew that. And so what? Do, so what does a guy who's a terrible DJ do? Goes and starts a DJ business. <laughs> okay. Oh, of I, with this equipment that I had, you know, hey, why not? You know, this is America. But. I, I teamed up with two of my buddies from high school, uh, Lou and Doug, and we started a business called Notorious DJs. And we went with Notorious because at the time, I, Duran Duran had a song Notorious mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And we kind of liked that. No, no, Notorious. We kind of liked that, you know, so we went with Notorious DJs. We went and got business cards made up and we started booking parties, you know, high school dances. Now we're going around with my system that I had, those, that, those tables. We had my Rams of speakers, and we're like, okay, we probably need some more speakers. We started hooking up like 
home speakers. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, you know, the big tall ones, the old yeah. <laughs> We started, we're hooking up these, these speakers and like, we went out and bought like a strobe at Radio Shack, you know, like a little beacon that spun around. We had like two lights on our, on our light show and, you know, we would, and we would set up on stage and it was just, oh, it was so bad. Like I, I, you know, and we would get paid a couple hundred bucks to do these dances and things like that. And, um, our first dance we ever did was at, um, oh God, what was it? Um, the school in Clifton, it's no longer, it was a Catholic school, Pope Paul VI, I think, Paul VI. Mm, okay. Um, that was on uh, Valley Road. Uh, we, that was our first dance that we did. And it, we, and it was terrible. We were, we were terrible. It was like the worst thing ever. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 we kept pushing through. I kept booking some gigs here and there. Um, I would go down to, now this is the time of vinyl, everyone. So we would, I would go down and buy, have to buy records, you know, and uh, you working in a, in a record store, you didn't really sell records. So you were selling more cassettes and CDs, right, Lou? But, but you always sold the 12 inch dance singles. That was that, that Correct. vinyl was always something that was pretty, you know, pretty consistent. Especially during that period, because the the dancing, the club scene was huge. So, yeah. so that was always happening, and um, you know, we could always count on DJs coming in or just just kids coming in. So, yeah, right. Well, we I would go to a record store, and there was like these s- stores that were set up just that sold vinyl. That's all they did. And there was one in Patterson, New Jersey, called Eclipse that I used to go to quite a bit. And then um, there was also um, one in Nutley called Face the Music um, that my friend Mario ran. Um, and then there was another one in Lynnhurst, New Jersey called Mondo Music, where a very good friend of mine, Dave Mondo, um, ran, this, ran this business. And I mean, he, he had every record you can imagine. He had a DJ in the, in the store that would play the songs for you. If you liked it, you would buy it, no, which was great. So that was the smartest thing ever. Um, so I would go in there and at the time, like 12 inch singles were like, you know, four bucks a piece or something like that. I'd, I'd go spend a hundred dollars on records and come home with all these records. And half of them, I didn't even know what they were doing. I was mixing like Rob bass. It takes two with like freestyle songs that the beats were completely off. It didn't sound right. And, but I was just trying to like figure it all out, you know? Um, so that's basically where I would get my music. Now this is, you know, 80, you know, 88, 89, you know, and, and those were some pretty good times with music. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of good stuff that was out on the radio. Um, there was a radio station called KTU um, that really kind of um, catered to the dance scene. Um, and people that don't know, like you know, maybe people for, like that weren't in the New Jersey, New York area, there was a lot of different kinds of music going on at that time. You know, obviously rap was was big. You know, you had your pop. Um, you also had freestyle music, which is kind of like a Latin dance music. Um, and there was a label called Micmac Records. And, and I, I know you remember them, Lou, yeah, right? Sure, Micmac Records. Sure. Um, you know, Mickey Garcia, Elvin Molina, um, they went and started this label. And um, that's basically where all the all the tracks were coming out of. So you had, a, and then you, plus you had your house music and other things and techno and things like that. But you had so many different, um, you know, genres of music playing. You really, as a DJ, you had to buy everything. You had needed to be on top of everything. You know, again, I wasn't DJing in any clubs, but the club DJs were getting, you know, these exclusive remixes. And a lot of the DJs were making their own remixes in the clubs. I mean, that's what a, that's what a DJ does. So, um, so that was, you know, that was a, that was a fun time. Yeah. For that. 
So you mentioned a lot of different forms of, of, of music there. So let's talk about what's, mm-hmm. talk to me what house music is. Talk to me what freestyle music is. What's, what are the differences? Is there something that really stands out? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, house music is just that, that I'm trying to think of like a really good house song that would, would really kind of bring you back to, um, to that time. Um, it was just like a really good drum, a good bass, a good, you know, a good house beat, like a, like something like, you know, just a really good feel, really good groove. Um, so go house, ahead. I'm sorry. Was house music, you weren't going to necessarily find house music playing on Z100 or something like that, right? I mean, that was house would be no, not, more underground-ish kind of, or no? Underground, KTU would play that kind of stuff, like, you know, later on. Um, you know, they would do, like, uh, KT was really cool. They kind of did these Saturday night dance parties. And so they would have different levels, stage one, stage two. You know, stage one was, like, your hit factory where they played, like, the commercial poppy stuff. And then, mm-hmm. you know, your stage two was maybe your house music and um, your dance stuff, the stuff that you won't necessarily hear on the radio, but you'll hear in the clubs, the club scene. Um, freestyle music was the, the vocals, the, the guys and girl duets singing about love and things like that. But on a, on a very dancey, um, dancey song, like um, those of you that might know Stevie B part of your body. Yep. That was uh, that was like a freestyle song. Uh, George Lamond is another one. Bad of the heart, uh, Coro, uh, Noel, silent morning, um, things like that. Those are your freestyle songs that, kind of started off um you know then you had like you know you had groups like company b that's that fascinated that was you know a little bit earlier but more dancey stuff but that poppier dancier stuff debbie deb when i hear music you know was another big hit you know you know like one, that. one of my favorite bands and to this day still just a great band and been around a long time is information society and i just oh man just love those guys because I think of dance music as being, if I'm going to be the club, that's the kind of stuff I want to hear. I'm going to tell you a funny thing about information society. Uh, they had a song, a hit called running, um, which is a very big hit back in the day when I was DJing, I cannot tell you, but every DJ I have ever met or know has used the running acapella and remixed it with something else. Sure. It's just his voice, the song, and 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 I mean, and I I was fortunate. I got to see uh, Information Society in one of the clubs I DJed at, and this was during the time like I want to know what you are thinking. That yep. that that really synth, really yep. stuff they what's were doing. Mind, yeah. Um, really, yeah. What's on your mind? Great. I mean, great stuff. But when they did running, the place went crazy. It, it wasn't the new stuff. It was the old stuff that everyone went nuts. You know. So, so what's cool is you saw them back in the day when they're probably in their prime, and I just saw them just a couple yeah. of years ago on, on the '80s cruise, and I think I even shot you some video of it. Those guys were insane. They were fantastic. They they sounded just as good as they did back then. They oh they were, I mean, because I did see the video you sent me, and they were amazing. They were yeah. really good. Like it was like holy crap, these guys are exactly what they were back in you know eighty nine ninety whatever you know performing. So. That's really cool that they that they still doing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a lot of the different kinds of music. Um, that that nineteen ninety time, little bro, was really the freestyle era. It was freestyle music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clubs would have you know these groups coming. They were called track acts, and they would come in and perform. You know, they would sing like they're they they might have one hit, and they would sing that one hit and then go home. They were that's done, right. You know? That's right. But it would pack the place. 
You know, it would pack the club. There'd be, you know, a thousand people in line waiting to go see this one song because it was so popular, so big. And, and mostly a lot of the teen nights was, you know, the, um, cause there's a lot of teen nights in New Jersey, like where kids under, you know, 18 and under, they have a night for them and they go in a, you know, no alcohol, obviously. And, and they have a DJ and they usually had these track acts that would perform, you know, I, I like that. Uh, George Lamont, uh, yeah. you know, Johnny O and Cynthia, all these freestyle groups. Yeah. So that's cool. All right. It's so kind of, kind of cool. So let's do this. So we've talked, you know, getting out of high school, 1988, you started the notorious DJs. So what's the mm-hmm. next, you got, you started doing parties. So I know that, yeah. I know where you got your start. So let's tell everybody how you got that start and what you were doing before that. Okay. So, um, the, you know, the DJ thing, you know, doing parties is okay. Um, I'm, I'm still a teenager, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Joey's and Clifton, um, which is by far the Mecca of clubs, as far as I'm concerned, you know, um, Joey, Joey Barcelona, the owner, um, it had this this nightclub called Joey's. It was on Van Houten Avenue in Clifton, New Jersey. Um, I remember the first time I walked in, I was just like, "Wow, this is so cool!" And it wasn't a huge club, but it was it was a good sized club, and it had one of the one of the best DJ systems I ever got to DJ on. But um, so I go in there and I'm kind of just watching the DJs again. I would go to clubs and watch DJs. I didn't really dance. I, I was like, "All right, I'm going to sit here and." check them out, you know? And, uh, there was a DJ at the time and his name was Danny boy Marlin, who is uh, to this day, a very good friend of mine. And, um, I'm watching him. And now this guy, uh, now I'm seeing something I've never seen in my life. He has a keyboard in the, in the DJ booth with him, <laughs> And he's basically remixing the songs on the keyboard as he's playing live. And whoa, I'm sitting there going, whoa, slow down a second. Wait a <laughs> what do you mean? He's remixing it. He's, he's re- okay. he like recording it. And then he's, Play, playing it back he's actually playing it live doing it live as a remix like there was no practicing oh, he did it right there on the spot so like i would never forget he had i guess he had taken the parts of songs and put them into his his you know into his keyboard and the song was um cnc music factory everybody dance now okay a classic and you know and he was sitting there and he was actually playing the remix on the keyboard live in the club so he's doing whatever he wanted to do to make it sound completely different. Well, everyone's asking him, what record is that? Where'd you get that record? I, oh, I made that. I just did that now. You know, it's like, holy crap. And I sat there and my jaw was probably on the floor the entire time as he did it. And so I went up to him, started talking to him a little bit. And um, I, I started becoming friendly with the guy, you know, hanging out with him a little bit. And um, he goes, hey, you know, I'm looking, we're looking for a light guy here. You should do the lights. And I was like, oh, who do I talk to? And he goes, oh, hold on. I'll get the owner. And Joey comes over. And he goes, hey, this guy, you know, what's, we need a light guy. We should hire him. And Joey's like, okay, you're hired. You start right now. So I started doing the lights. I, you know, I, I learned all the lights and pretty cool light system. Mm. And, um, you know, he paid me like, I don't know, like 75 bucks a night to do the lights or something like that. You know, it wasn't even about the money at that point. It was just, I'm in the booth now. Yeah. So now people are coming in the booth and like, oh, who's this guy? He's in the booth. You know, he must be important, quote unquote, you know, which I wasn't. Um, but then I started doing like two or three nights a week there doing lights. And the other DJ I did it for was uh, Jerry DeMeo. Um, again, another great friend of mine. Um, he uh, was actually doing teen night. Um, and um, this is, this is, I'm going to take it right to the story. If that's okay, take it right into where I, where yeah. I got the break. Um, and, it, and, it, and this is a great story. And we talk about this story all the time. Me and him will, will talk about it. And, 
it, it's, it never gets old uh, for us. It's, it's, it's so much fun. So um, it was September 29th, 1990. Okay? <laughs> you even know the date. I love that. I, I know the day, September 29th, 1990. Um, Jerry DeMeo's in the DJ booth. I'm in there with him. Um, there's got to be a thousand kids there. I, I, I'm probably lying about the number, but it was packed. Um, that night, George Lamont was performing, and George Lamont, Bad of the Heart, was, was his big hit at the time. Um, so I'm in there. I'm doing, you know, doing the, the lights. We're having a good night. It's a good start. All of a sudden, he gets a phone call. And again, no cell phones at the time, guys. He gets a phone call at the, at the club. His wife is going into labor. So just and Jer- Jerry's wife. Jerry's wife, okay. Terry, is going yeah. into labor. Okay. Yes. He looks at me and he goes, you got to take over. And I went, what? <laughs> I can't, no, I can't take over. And I, you know, I was like, humming, humming, humming. No, I can't. You know, uh, exactly. I was like, oh my God, you, know, that I, you don't understand. I've, I've DJed a little bit, but I've never DJed on this system, you know? And he goes, no, you'll be fine. Well, now the difference is, you know, this, this nightclub had three techniques, 1200 turntables. Okay. Um, those were direct drive. Um, it had a Yuri knob mixer. So it wasn't a slide crossfade. It was a knob. I've never worked on a mixer like that. I had no clue. Um, he goes, here's my, spe- here's my headphones. There's my records. You, it's all you, buddy. You got it. And I was so scared. I had all my friends there, people I knew because it was a teen night. And I remember I said, well, here it goes. And I got on there and I, um, I started to DJ. I started doing, um, I think I did a good job. Let's, let, let's, <laughs> do you remember the first thing you played? The first song I played, um, oh, yes, I do, actually. That's kind of funny. The very first song I played, it was Snap, The Power. Oh, great song. Because he kind of was in, he was playing a freestyle song, and then I just said, oh, I'm going to just change the whole, I got to change it and, like, do something I know, you know? So I, I grabbed it, and that was the first, and there was two, he had two copies of the record. And so I put them both on. You know, and I, I, you know, I went into the, you know, the beginning, the whole thing. And I got the power and I, Mm -hmm. and I, and I just, I don't know what happened that night, but I basically um, just started going back and forth with the record and just, I don't know. I don't know if the DJ gods were with me that night or whatever, but thank you. And um, I, I kind of killed it. I rocked that club that night. And um, at the end of the night, the owner came up to me and says, um, you're hired. You're my new teen night DJ. And I said, what about Jerry? And he goes, Oh no, no, Jerry, we're, we're moving him to a different night. It's okay. You know, Jerry was a little bit older than I was. I was a younger kid. And, um, he's like, I want a younger kid to do the night. I think you guys, you can fit with the crowd and you're hired. You start next Friday. And I had become the teen night DJ. That is awesome. at Joey's in Clifton. I love that. So when you perform that first night and you spun for the first time, were you mm-hmm. engaging the crowd or were you just so like absorbed into, I got to spin, I got to spin and I'm not like yelling stuff out or how, how did you do that? Okay. So let me explain that because the, um, in the nightclubs, the DJ really doesn't do a lot of the talk and they usually have an MC and the MC that night was Bita. There was a guy named B2B who is uh, one of my good friends. And he was, he was known for saying, good God, good God. Yeah, boy. That's how we talk, you know, really cool. Really. I mean, he was, he would get the place going nuts. 
And he'd be like, you know, and he'd sit there and he'd go, come on, Paulie, let's go rock the house. And he'd be saying these things. And I, and it kind of pumped me up, you know, and I was, ner- and he'd come in and he goes, Hey man, you're doing a great job. Don't worry. Keep it up. Just keep playing the songs. You, I got you out here. We'll, we'll be okay. And he made me feel very, very comfortable. And, um, so it, it was, it was, it was super easy. And then, you know, the next day Jerry called me and he goes, Oh, you took my job, huh? You know? And I was like, no, 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 I'm kidding. And, and he had a baby girl and, um, her name was, uh, her name is Nicole. And, um, uh, I am actually friends with her on Facebook oh, that's and, great. um, she's, she's, yeah, she's awesome. And we talk about the story and, um, you know, Jerry, uh, Jerry DeMeo has been just, uh, if it wasn't for him and Nicole being born, I probably would never got a break. I don't know. So I am very, very grateful and, and just humbled upon, upon belief to even have gotten that chance to DJ there in one of the hottest clubs in New Jersey. And, um, and just for, for Nicole being born, thank you. <laughs> so thanks, Nicole, for being born that day. I got my break. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah very cool. I, I remember when you started and how – you always mentioned Danny Boy and Jerry as being those guys that really mentored you through the beginning. And, you know, I'm probably further, right. you know, more than that, but uh, it's, it's great to hear that story. And there's so many other DJs that, you know, have been just have been so, played such a part in my life. I mean, you know, there's, there, I, I could sit here and go on forever, you know, with, you know, uh, Kirk Lopez and, you know, and, um, Johnny Buds and, and, and I mean, just so many people, Glenn Frischa and, and Roman Ricardo, all the big names in New York and Mike Rizzo. And I mean, these are, these are all guys, you know, and, and, uh, and, and the Jersey DJs, there were so many Jersey DJs that were just phenomenal DJs. It's, I mean, you know, Franco Iamello, uh, he was over at Chicago's. He was, I mean, just amazing DJs that the things they did, um, you know, and there's just all the other guys that have been in the music business, you know, my, Eric Klein and Ace Hart. And I mean, I could go on forever, you know, and just talk about names. And um, I could probably just spend an hour talking about all the DJs that have just been a part of my life, but we're not going to do that. So, um, but they know who they are. And if they don't, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, you guys have, have been just, thank you so much for being part of my, of my, of making me a better DJ and just being part of it. I really appreciate that. So. But, that, you know, that was the Joey's thing. And, and, and the Joey's led to so many other things, bro. You know, it was there were so many other clubs that, you know, they owned a club down the shore called the Surf Club. You know, that was that was the place to be on Sundays. That was the place. All right. So you established yourself at Teen Night. Is there anything else mm-hmm. within Joey's? Did you do any other thing other than Teen Night? Or no, that was your that was your. I, I did. No, that, I did Teen Night. But yes, um when the summer kicked off and, and down in, you know, down in, uh, um, down the shore, obviously, um, everyone went down to the surf club and, um, I got a chance to DJ the Sunday jam. It was Memorial day weekend, which is the biggest weekend of the year. I mean, everyone's there. Um, and it was, uh, Jerry DeMeo, <laughs> myself and Mike Rizzo, the three of us. No. Um, and here I am, here I am this, this, you know, basically been DJing for, what three months four months uh five months and i'm here i am now djing you know at the surf club with these two guys and just like wow you know there's thousands of people and it's an all day it's an all day affair it's like one o'clock in the afternoon till three in the morning so So it's a long day (laughs) so let's try to set set this up for folks that you know people that have seen like the jersey shore or something like that and the period that you were doing this kind of set up what that whole vibe was down there. 
Okay, so obviously it was a lot of high hair, a lot of a lot of uh, aquanet for the women with their hair up high. Um, the guys actually, and, and I'm guilty of this. It was a time when guidos were big, and the guido thing was, you know, it was the spiked hair and the tan and and the gold chains. And um, I'm driving either an IROC uh, or a Mustang GT. Those are the cars I'm driving, and everyone had systems in their car, and you know that's that's you know, Reeboks and Cavariccis and Cavariccis were kind of pants that they wore that had a white label in the front and they cost like 60 some bucks a pair. Was, I mean, I, I got a job at merry-go-round just so I could buy them and get a discount. That's, that's, you know, that's how bad it was. Uh, um, but that's, you know, that's what it was. And, and in the summer, obviously the girls were in bikinis and the guys all, no one had a shirt on all the guys were, everyone's all built and muscle guys. They're like, everyone's name is Vinny and Tony and Rocco and, you know, Hey Guido, what's up? You know? And that, and it was, it was, it was a big, um, uh, it was a hookup. It was a meat market. Yeah. People went to the club to hook up and dance. Sure. And that's what, that's what it was. But it was good times. It was great times. People danced and had fun. And it was, you know, there were fights and there were things like that. But it's nothing like how the Jersey Shore show on MTV is. It's not like that. It was way better and different. Trust yeah. me. Those guys on the show made the Jersey Shore look bad. Hmm. You know, back then it wasn't like that. It was, it was a lifestyle. It really was. And the summer, you either went to the, sur- you went to the surf club or you went to Temptations. Those were the two clubs you went to. And those were the two places you wanted to be. And and where exactly was the surf club? Where was that at? Uh, Ortley Beach, New Jersey. Okay. Ortley Beach. Yep. Right next to Seaside Heights. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then Temptations. Temptations was in Seaside Heights. So um, a lot of people would go to the surf club during the day and listen to you know Danny Boy, Mike Rizzo, Jerry, all the other DJs that were there. And then they would go to Temptations and they would listen to Franco Iamello or um, when Danny Chettos took over and and was doing. Um, temps and things like that and that was the places to go i mean there was tons of other clubs down the shore don't get me wrong hunka bunka and um and and you know um martell's tiki bar and all those kind of places but um i didn't dj at those places (laughs) we're talking about where i dj at. so yes yeah that's cool um and so so we're talking summer of 1990 and so when you're done doing the surf club thing then you go back to doing more at, at, at joey's well, unfortunately, Joey's did close down. Um, okay. They they clo- he closed the club down, and he opened up a club called Yakety Yak, which was more geared towards the older people, fifties, sixties, seventies disco. Um, I that wasn't my cup of tea at the time. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'm like 21 years old, 2021. I need I need to be in a a nightclub experience. So um, I was working in Hoboken. Um, New Jersey. Um, there was a club called Shooters that I DJed a little bit oh. with Danny Boy, um, but then I went to I went to the hop in Totowa, New Jersey, and the hop was the old, uh, I believe it was the outrigger. Was that, was that the name of the restaurant? Yeah, it was the outrigger. It had been something else before that too. There's a couple different names, I think, but outrigger uh, Lou Duva's or something yeah. like that, or it was Duva's place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we, uh, so that became a nightclub and it became the hop. Um, and then Thursday nights and Sunday nights were the two biggest nights. They basically took the Sunday jam from Joey's and brought it to the hop. So now Danny Boy was DJing there, Frankie Fingers, myself, Jerry DeMeo. Um, I love we were DJing names. at that club, and that had a nice run until they got Frankie Fingers. Yeah, Frankie Fingers, love <laughs> Frankie that. Frankie Fingers was good, yeah. It's, just, like, uh, it's like we're doing yeah, a mob, mob show here. So. I, well, it might be. I can't talk about that. But, um, you know, so, but 
it, it's, it's, you know, it's fun stuff. It was, it was, um, you know, the same kind of DJs kind of made their way around to the different clubs. So there was, you know, like in Jersey, there was, you know, North Jersey, you had your same kind of North Jersey DJs, if that makes sense. And then your South Jersey, South Jersey DJs were kind of the same South Jersey DJs. I mean, they did guest spots and things like that, but um, you know, at that time in the early nineties, it was, you know, it was Jerry DeMeo, it was Frankie Fingers, it was myself, Danny Boy Marlin, Andrew Mendez was doing a lot of stuff in New York. But I mean, there was a lot of those guys doing like kind of the local, the local scene. So cool. That's great. Um, yeah. So then after you were done doing the hop stuff, what followed after that? There's a, there's a, just a handful of clubs. I mean, I was at a lot of different places. I bounced around. Um, I went from, you know, from after the hop, I went to River Street in Hoboken. Um, club Diamond in West Patterson was another one, um, which was kind of a, a teen club, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is weird. Um, and then I did like, you know, I did like the um, docks in Totowa, which, which was a really big. I was in the Holiday Inn in Totowa, that okay. nightclub in there. Um, and then just kind of bounced around to a lot of, a lot of different places. I mean, you know, um, uh, it just, it kind of just clubs came and gone, were gone. You know, they were there for a while. They left and a new one opened up, then a new one opened up. It just, that's, it's just that kind of that turnaround, that turnover was, uh, you know, the nightclub business because everyone was opening clubs. You know, there was, I want to open up a nightclub. I want to open up a nightclub, you know, and um, you know, they always try to get the best DJs in to do their nights. And um, when you have too many clubs and um, you know, you, you can go to one club and hear the same music. Why, you know, why go to, why, why keep opening a new club? It's just hard to do. I mean, I think so. So, you know, the summer that's different because everyone goes on the shore. So you can do a lot down there. You know, people go down for the weekend. It's like, Oh, I can hit four or five different clubs, you know, and that's, that's awesome. But North Jersey, like when the summer came, the clubs in the up North were dead. They were not busy because everyone was down the shore. Sure. So, but um, yeah, I bounced around and, you know, did that. I took a little break for a while. I stopped DJing for a while and then I got back into it again. Um, you know, I talked about retiring a bunch of times and they never let me, they never let me leave. You know, George Kelly, another one won't let me, let me retire. He says, I'm forbidden to retire. He told me so. Um, but, uh, it's nice to have the support of those people like that. And, and, and George Kelly is a amazing producer and DJ. So, um, for him to say that, that means a lot. Um, and then I, you know, then I moved, I left Jersey, you know, and I, I, I went to North Carolina and I, you know, I DJed down there a little bit. I was did more parties and stuff, but and then ending up back in uh, in North Dakota, going back to North Dakota, where um, I, you know, I started my own business here. You know, so yeah, so you had a period there. I mean, I, and I don't know what the time span was, but it's like when the club scene kind of dried up a little bit when things weren't as uh, as active. Let's say. Um, and then you kind of moved on and got married and things changed. Obviously that was a big thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. kids, everything kind of changes after that. And uh, North Carolina, I don't remember you ever really talking about really DJing much down there. And maybe you just did some limited things, but you didn't work at a, at a club or anything like that. But then North Dakota happens and you make the big move. And this is later mm -hmm. in life for you. And I don't think North Dakota right. has ever seen anybody that has that kind of experience and uh, that creativity, because let's face it, today, anybody thinks they're a DJ, they've got their iPod and they can 
plug it in into something, you know, and they start, you know, you know, trying to make music. But yeah. what you do versus what other DJs do, it's completely on a different level. Well, you know, and I and and that's from me watching all these other DJs in my career, watching what they've done. And, you know, they do these old school guys. We do, you know, if you put a pair of turntables in front of a DJ today, they wouldn't know what to do. They would have no clue how to work those turntables because now everything is electronic, is digital. You know, they have buttons where you could sync the beats per minute so they match it. That's not the, being a DJ. A DJ is, okay, what am I going to mix with this song and figure it out? And then, you know, you make it work and you fit it in there and you do something to it to make it sound different than anything else you've ever heard. You want people coming up to you and going, hey, you know, what, what is that song? I'm doing it right now, uh, you know, like just like Danny Boy did with me and, and and other DJs that I've watched. And they said, oh, no, that's not a record. I'm making it right now as I'm doing it. That's where I tip my hat to those guys. And, you know, they paved the way for people like myself. And I hope I paved the way for, you know, some other younger people that have watched me at some point, um, you know, DJ and, and, and everything. But, you know, I here in North Dakota, it was the first DJ I ever heard, I was like, Oh my God, what, what, what's going on? You know, what's, what are they doing? You know? And um, again, they haven't had the experience I have. I, they haven't been fortunate enough to work in the places I have, you know, um, working in New York, New Jersey, Vegas, you know, I, I got to do those kinds of things where they haven't. And um, so I think I've brought a different level of expectation to North Dakota, I think, because um, you know, you were here when you came to visit me for my birthday and I was DJing up on the up on the rooftop with that party up there and people were coming up to me going oh my god you know like you're you're amazing and and i and, and i and trust me i love to hear that but i don't feel like i'm amazing i just feel like i'm doing my job i'm just i'm having fun playing music making people dance but it was nice to get those compliments obviously and it's always nice to hear that kind of thing and even watching your face when you were watching me dj you know yeah you know it's funny through the years i've only really gotten to see you just a few times because i was just at a different stage in life we didn't always live in the same areas i had family business travel and and such so anytime i got that opportunity to see you live it really made me feel so good and so proud to see my younger brother up there doing something that he's been working on through his entire life and just honing a craft and still cares enough about what he does that he always gives you something fresh, new, and exciting every time you play. And I thought just being able to see the reaction, that's wonderful. Well, I appreciate that coming from you because I always looked up to you when you were on your drum set and thinking, wow, there's my brother. Um, so, you know, hearing that from you, from my big brother telling his little brother that, that means the world to me. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always... It's always nice to, um, you know, have your family. Obviously, your family is your biggest supporters, obviously. You know, uh, obviously, my mom, our mom, you know how she is. She's, sure. oh, you're the best, you know, and thanks, mom, you know. <laughs> but you're supposed to say that. What are you going to tell me? I'm the worst, you know? <laughs> Lewis, you're the worst drummer ever. Good job. You know? I'm, I'm the worst DJ, you know. But it, it, it was always very nice, and it was so, so nice to see your face that day. You were just, you were smiling, and you were, and you were just, like, so into tune to what I was doing, and you just – you were really curious. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you were, you know, it, it meant a lot. And, um, I, I, and that's my point. That's what I try to do. I just want people to look at it and say, wow, it really is an art form. And, and it, it really is. There's a lot of creativity that goes into, into DJing, you know, what you're going to mix with what making one song sound like three songs, you know, whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of DJs that can do it well. And then there's a lot of DJs that can't do it well. And, 
Um, all I can say is I was one of those DJs that couldn't do it. And I just kept practicing and practicing until I could. So uh, my, my thing would say, just, if you really are into this, don't quit, just keep going, keep pushing yourself, keep learning, keep mastering your craft. That's the only thing you can do, you know? So I've got a question. Do you think there is a, or probably a couple questions here. So you coming from the old school way of mixing with turntables and vinyl and then moving to the mm-hmm. new digital way, um, was that a steep learning curve? That's one question. And the other thing is, if someone who is just used to digital, they would really have a tough time going back to, to a very manual way of doing things. So to your question one, um, no, you know, I mean, it, it's always learning something new, you know, it's, it's different than what you're used to. So there's always a little bit of, you know, okay, I got to practice this a little bit. I got to, you know, it's, it, it is difficult, but I will tell you on a perspective of equipment wise, it's easier to transfer your equipment to one location to another. You're not carrying 20 crates of records and, you know, all these tons of speakers and amps and things like that, you know, um, a coffin full of turntables and, you know, all, just like crazy amount of equipment, you know? So yes, in that sense, it is nice to have the digital because it's a lot easier to transport for a DJ. Now for part two of your question for, for a DJ now that is doing the digital and has never messed with the, um, the turntables, the mixer, um, you know, nine out of 10 of them, I I'll tell you what, I'll put money on it that they're going to struggle and they're going to have a hard time. They wouldn't get it. Um, because they're not used to using pitch control. They're not using that kind of stuff. They're using to hit a button that says sync and it matches their beats together. Well, that's not a talent. Yep. That's someone pressing a button. You know, I could teach anyone to do that, you know, so get a couple pair of turntables, get a mixer and um, get some vinyl and then try to do the things that you do on that system, the digital and try to do it on the turntables and see if you can do it. And then I'll be impressed. Do you have like a top five songs or, or even a top one or two that you love to open up a show with it kind of like the way we always talked about concerts and how to start a good you know stage show in a concert. Is there something that is a go-to for you? You know, it really depends on, I guess the nightclub or what I was doing, but um, I, I would say probably in the, Oh, let's go uh, uh, early nineties mid 90s somewhere in that range there was a a song i used to love to do and it was called o fortuna oh and it was by um carmina barana yeah yeah, it was the oh it was a remake of the uh of the uh orf um opera carmen barana right and um yeah i i would start off that it was a techno song and it was that was a great way to open up like if coming off a different, like you wanted to change the whole feel of the nightclub. That was a great way. And if you had Bita, your MC with you, he would go right in. He used to play a bugle with it and, uh, and do all just crazy stuff, man. It was great. And, um, you know, he'd start yelling stuff in German. Yeah. It was, it was, Bita was crazy. Yeah. He was, he was nuts. And, um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. That was, that's a great song to do. Um, I love that. And I love, um, I love rhythm as a dancer by snap. I love that song. song. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. But there was a mix I always used to do. There was a mix I did that you loved (laughs) and it was uh, BG, the Prince of rap. This beat is hot. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love, um, yeah, I love those things that 
you and I would key in on, you know, there'd be something that either I heard you do, or I said something like, Hey, I like this song. And then you do something with it and made it even better. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. great. I mean, that's, you know, that's just like, I, I'm always into 3am eternal. And anytime, you know, you, you play that. I just, I just dig that. Oh, it's KLF. Yeah. KLF is going to rock you. That's great. Yeah. Oh man. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Cause it really gets you going. And then what, what a fantastic video that was too. Gosh, that was cool. It was. It was so good. Yeah, such a good thing. But that was that whole time, too. That was during the snap time, KLF, that kind of like techno-ish um, kind of groove going. It was fun stuff. It was so much music. Um, I mean, we could talk about music forever, you know. It just There's so many different things out there. And, and in the clubs, you had to play everything, you know. Yeah. So we've, I know we played around with different episodes of different themes, and we covered kind of our... Or upbringing, you know, where where we've been, different types of music during those years, during those those high school years, and, and and later in life. But it'll be fun to focus in on some of the music because as we're talking about this dance music, and I'm a guy who's really about rock, but you've hit on some songs that mm-hmm. there's certain songs that cross over for me for some reason. Either it's the beat. Or it was a video, you know, like pump up the jam or something like that. There's just certain things that oh. will hit me or MC Hammer or something. You know, the ones that really stand out. I was never into the real freestyle too much. Those Stevie B wasn't bad. Um, but, you know, I love to talk about some of that music. You know, it's almost it's too bad we can't play the music because it'd be so much fun to be able to play little snippets. Ah, I know. But you only had the rights to do yeah, that. Yeah, it would be great to do that, unfortunately. Yep. So it's it's really only good had stuff. the rights. Shucks. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, that's um that, that that's great. So that's that's a good that's good insight into you get your start because your DJ friend's wife is having a baby. And so many times in life, mm-hmm. there are things like that that have happened where something, you know, a guy gets injured on the field and somebody steps in and they, they end up taking the position. So here was something kind of similar to that where not, not injured, but, you know, a medical emergency and you get your opportunity. And the key is you've got to be able to step in and be ready for that opportunity. So you had been watching these DJs, you had been practicing, and then you were ready. Absolutely. And, you know, and thank God that when I did get my break, that I didn't suck at what I did, you know, I was good. So because that would have been worse going in, taking over this guy's spot, like, okay. And then I sucked at what I did. And, you know, my, my goal was just to make sure that I did a good job because for him, you know, this was his night and you're putting a lot of pressure on someone who's never DJed in a big nightclub to say, okay, take over and make sure you do good. Take care. I'm out of here, you know? And, so my, my big plan was just, please don't suck. Just do good. Just get by. I don't care what happens after that. I just want to make it. That's great. Anywhere else you want to go? No, you know, I just, I just, again, I'm just very fortunate. I've been doing this for 30 years, you know, and, um, you know, being 50 years old and uh, just, just last, what, a couple weeks ago, I just was a 30 year anniversary of my first night DJing. So, um, you know, I'm very fortunate and very happy that I'm still going and, um, you know, a lot of people out there who still support me and, and thank you for that. And, and again, all the DJs, please, everyone out there that I'm, you know, I'm friends with on Facebook, everyone, you guys have all had an impact on me and have made me a better DJ. So I thank you guys for that. And, 
and all the artists and everyone else that I've gotten to meet and talk to and work with. Thank you so much. I, it means, it means so much. Yeah, that's great, bro. I, I, I love I love hearing about everything, re- revisiting some of those stories and those memories. And I'm just so glad that you're able to still do it. And you have people that support you and the great feedback that you get. And it's just wonderful to see because uh, you know how much music means to us and that you still get to perform it, which is really yeah. cool. Very lucky. You know, and really, really funny story real quick. Um, that first concert we went to, Missing Persons, back at Great Adventure years ago, um, that first concert I saw, um, that was the first kind of real live show that I ever saw, you know, like really mm-hmm. big show. And I remember, and I think I told you this, that I remember seeing what they did up there and how the crowd reacted to them. And something inside of me, I just knew that I wanted to do that and some kind of you know, venue, whether it was some kind of avenue to do it, whether it was being the star, being a backup, but I wanted to entertain and be on stage and have people, you know, kind of cheer for you or clap for you or just appreciate you. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I've been very lucky that I got to do it. So. Yeah. And you found a way to do it that you you didn't decide to to play an instrument or sing or something. You came across this DJing and you turned it into something. That's really cool. Yeah, well, thanks, DJ Animal. You you made it happen for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> DJ Animal, Rob Bass, it takes two. That's what changed my life. That's great. That's awesome. All right, bro, should we uh, wrap yeah. her up? Yeah, I think so. I hope I didn't bore everyone. I hope everyone liked the story. It just brings back good memories for me, and um, I had a lot of fun telling you guys about it. And uh, it's always nice to hang out with you, bro. I enjoy spending some time with you on our podcast, so that's always nice. Oh, I look forward to it. So it's uh, it, it, it was fun today because it took me back to Jersey back in the uh, late 80s and 90s and just reliving some fun times. And I love the, uh, you know, you mentioned something real quick. I know we're wrapping up, but when you said merry-go-round, man, I kept thinking about, remember Chess King? And, <laughs> Chess and, King. And, Gene, Gene Country was another one. Yeah. Benetton with all their colors. Yes, oh, my yes, God. Benetton. I love and the, the and then retail. I remember the swatch watches. With the, oh yeah, yeah, oh, it was great. Yeah, great stuff, man. Um, yeah, the Cavaricis, the IOU sweatshirts. Oh yeah, members Reeboks only. with the different colors. Oh yeah, members only jackets. Oh yeah, members only jackets. Yep. <laughs> oh oh so man, cool. that's great. We could probably do a show. We could probably do a show about the 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 dressing, the dress clothes, clothing in the eighties and stuff. Yeah, maybe we can instead of singling out years, we can certainly talk a decade and really highlight a lot of those things because sometimes it gets, it can be a little bit too specific, but it's fun to kind of bust on the trends, the fashion besides the music and movies and TV that happened during those periods. That'll be a lot of fun to do that. Right. I agree. Sounds good. All right, let's wrap her up. So we're going to, we're going to take it off, call it a day. Um, thanks for tuning in and listening to Back in Time Brothers podcast. And uh, we'll see you on our next episode. You guys have a great one. Take care. See you guys. 